you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another episode. I'm so, so excited. Today, I'm talking about five tips to raise responsible and self-sufficient kids. I recently did this on a TV segment, and the TV segment actually didn't go that well. And I'll tell you why. Not because I wasn't prepared. I ain't trying to blame anybody. But the segment was rushed. They were falling behind. Luckily, it was taped live, but not airing live. And I was like, this is such good content and I want to make sure that you guys have it. So I put it on my IGTV and I feel like my IGTVs really don't get a lot of views. I don't know. I don't really care for the algorithm, whatever the case may be. I tried to put it out into the universe. Didn't feel like a lot of people received the information. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put it on the podcast too, because I think it has more of a reach on the podcast. And this is such good information. I wanted you to have it. So why is teaching our children to be more responsible and self-sufficient so important? Well, over the last two years, parents have been chronically stressed. Think about it. We are burnt out to the crisp with COVID outbreaks and school closures, with childcare issues and quarantining. We are spread thin and we have a lot on our plates already. When we take the time and invest and let our children know that they are capable of taking care of their age-appropriate responsibilities, Not only do we foster independence and confidence in them, we also free up time, energy, and space in our life so we can take care of ourselves. The energy that we'd be using to take care of them or micromanage them, we're using for ourselves. So this is a win-win for the entire family when we commit and invest time to raising responsible and productive kids. So here are five tips. These are my best tips to help you raise responsible kids. Tip number one, teaching the differences between responsibilities and privileges. It is essential to let children know that responsibilities come first and then you earn your privileges. Your privileges could be screen time, TV, video games, whatever it may be, those fun things that they look forward to. I know right now the lines, especially with screen time, can be blurred. If we're working from home and we just need a moment to ourselves, we're like, just take the screen. And I get it. I mean, I've been there. It is overwhelming. It is impossible to work at home with a toddler because they're always hovering around you like a little vulture. And Not that we don't want to spend time with them. Sometimes we just want like a moment to breathe or just get an email out. So I totally get it. Putting them in front of a screen for a moment is just like, okay, I can breathe. But here's the problem. 
If we do that too often, children start to believe that screen times are their right and not a privilege. And this is a problem because studies show that too much screen time is detrimental for the brain development of young children. In fact, I feel like it negatively impairs our brain and our our focusability as well. So we do want to put clear boundaries around screen time, especially because it is not healthy for children. They could watch Paw Patrol for like seven hours unless we go in there and be like, uh, enough is enough, one episode. So here's the thing. We want to make sure that we're teaching them responsibilities come first and then we earn our privileges. They're not going to like it at first. I know this, you know this, but it is fair. Stay consistent and let them know you are on their team. You are on their side. I want you to earn your screen time. I know you love watching your show and I want you to watch it, but let's just finish our responsibility first and then you're good to go. They'll eventually learn that the control and power is in their hand. If I just do the responsibility, I can then move on to the privilege and everybody is happy. So let's just focus on the responsibilities and making sure that we're teaching them what to do. And how do we do that? Well, that's tip number two, building routine sheets. We have to clearly communicate to kids what we expect from them and the time period it's going to take in the morning and the evening for them to complete it. I highly believe in creating routine sheets for the morning and evening routine because just like we need to-do lists to stay on track because we have a lot in our brain, so do our kids. They can get easily distracted and so we have to lay it out and my routine sheets that I created were on Canva. They're on my website if you want a sample. For young kids, I started with both of my boys when they were three. You put pictures so they can follow along and they understand what the steps are. Keeping between five to 10 steps masks on morning and evening. Then you want to do words. So now that Ayan can read and older kids can read, they can go through their checklist um, and read it. Some kids like the active, like checking it off, so laminate it. Some kids just read it and just look at the pictures, but have a lot of different copies everywhere and you have to invest the time. When I'm teaching this to my boys, and I'll do it one more time with Sahana, it is being very playful. The first thing you do when you get up in the morning is go potty go potty. I do races to the bathroom. We're like, oh, what do we have next on our list? Keep referring back to the list. The beauty is if you train the first child, the second one will naturally fall along because that's just the normal routine. So with Rehan, it wasn't much coaxing. He kind of already at the age of two is following along with that pattern. Like you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you go to the potty. And some days now that he's three and testing his limits and his boundaries, he'd be like, I don't have to brush my teeth. I'm like, and I won't fight him on that, right? Like, um, let's get those sugar boogies out. Or some days I have to put the blippy song on. Or some days I look at the sheet and be like, oh, that next thing that we do after potty. What did we do after potty? So make it playful. Don't make it into a power struggle, but nine out of 10 times, it will flow smoothly once they know what to expect. And if they lose their focus and they need a reminder, the sheet is right in front of them. So it is a game changer. It makes the mornings and evenings flow more smoothly. There's less power struggles and there's less dawdling. And of course, I know that kids will sometimes need reminders and that leads to tip number three. So kids will be kids. 
they're going to dawdle, they're going to get distracted, and that's okay. I think one of the things on my mind was like, expect to have to remind them. Just expect it. Because when you feel like, oh, they should know this, that's when the power struggles from your side, the irritation and the frustration comes up. You should know this, come on. And the micromanaging happens, even if you invest the time in the routine. So now I just expect it. Some days there's gonna be a little bit more reminders and that's just how they're gonna build the consistency. But more often than not, I don't have to remind. But remember, when you give the reminders, remind respectfully. You want to connect with them before you give the reminder. So what does that mean? When we are in a dysregulated state or we're anxious that we feel like we're going to be late, we say things like, come on, hurry up, let's go. Our tone of voice changes when we're dysregulated. The facial muscles around our eyes, they freeze. This is all because of the connection of our vagus nerve. Our vagus nerve communicates through our body that it's unsafe. When we're getting irritated and we're getting agitated, our voice changes. It becomes monotone. It's not that inflection like when we're talking or we're singing or we're talking to a baby like, oh, how's everything going, right? You hear the inflection in my voice versus, oh, how's everything going? right? Very plain and monotone. So instead of saying things like that, like, hurry, come on, let's go. What ends up happening is this doesn't make your kids go faster. Like, oh, I mean business. It actually dysregulates your kids. So either they're going to feel anxious that you're irritated and annoyed at them, and that slows them down because it's using the energy that it would to concentrate and focus on now feeling, oh my God, my mom's worried or my ma- I'm going to get in trouble. Like there's just that angst and that energy, that's frantic energy that's building up in them. The second thing could happen is that if you use a disrespectful tone, your child will bark right back. They're going to create a power struggle. They're going to get upset at you because you use a disrespectful tone and then you lose your upper hand, right? Then they slow down. They're going to get annoyed. You guys, you're going to be upset. They're going to be upset. And it's just a cycle of unhappiness. And that's what we're trying to avoid. We don't want that. So Instead of using one of those micromanaging, nagging, like monotone, hurry up, come on, let's go. Connection with happens when you lead with either a question, a compliment, an, or an observation before you give the reminder. So it sounds something like, hey, I noticed you haven't brushed your teeth yet. Can you help me understand what's slowing you up? Did you hear my tone, right? You hear the inflection versus saying something like, You didn't brush your teeth yet. What's going on? Do you hear the difference there, right? So making sure that your tone is aligned with a regulated state. I'm going to have to remind them, pausing for a moment, and then letting them answer whatever it is that's slowing them down. Like, I totally get it. But here's the thing. We only have five more minutes before we need to go downstairs for breakfast. Can you just wrap it up and just move the pace a little bit faster so that we stay on task? Does that sound okay? And then get them to say yes or no, and then walk away. And I like to use timers as a great transition to keep them on track, which is tip number four, using timers for reminders. I truly believe that timers are a parent's best friend. And I think you need to have the ones with the sound. I had these sand timers, and even though they look pretty, kids can't hear when the timer's over or they're not looking at the timer. So that didn't work for us, but using Alexa or a kitchen timer with a buzzer works great. And so letting them know five more minutes and putting a timer and then it's going to help with transition time. It also helps 
Children learn time management. Children don't know what is an appropriate period of time for a specific task. And when Ayan was getting to a point, he knew his schedule, but he was taking too long. I started creating time blocks. Like you have an hour and within that hour, you have to do your reading homework. You have to take a shower. You have to eat dinner. And then you have tennis. This is how we're breaking it up. And I always tell him we have to keep five to seven minutes as a transition time. The reason being is that either they're going to get distracted or a meltdown happens or big feelings visit. You always want to have a buffer in case they someone needs to go to the bathroom bathroom that so that you don't fall behind. So creating time blocks and using timers is really, really amazing because especially with kids who are like six, seven, eight, time blocks will then help them be more responsible and organized with their time, especially when they have activities and homework and taking care of their own responsibilities like showering and brushing. It really helps them understand how to organize specific uh, minutes and hours. Next is brain breaks. So it is impossible for us to focus when we are restless, when we're tired, when we're moody, right after we just were angry or frustrated. Our brain needs to recalibrate. Our brain needs breaks. We are only trained to focus for 60 to 90 minutes at a time, and that's adults. So kids are probably less than that. Some kids are maybe only 15 minutes, and we have to build that practice of learning how to sit still and focus for longer. And that's what the exercises in my book, Meditation for Kids, help us do. You have to help your children learn how to sit and focus. It's not an innate skill. So when you notice that your child's restless and they're not going to be able to focus on homework or piano or settle down, infuse a brain break, especially after a big feeling has visited. Put on a song that's fun to dance, just shaking and being silly, uh, using go noodle. Um, Even if your kids like just uh, jumping on a trampoline or walking on a treadmill or anything that will create some movement, going outside for a walk, uh, doing jumping jacks, all great ways to infuse movement based on how much time you have. Once you see a relief and a release from them, then you want to slow down their energy so they're in a focus zone. And the way that you do that is through breathing breaks. If you want to learn age-appropriate breathing breaks for kids, check out my book, Meditation for Kids. It has amazing tools to help you help your child focus. There's energizing ones, um, movement that's form of yoga that will only take like 30 seconds to a minute to help revitalize energy or calm them down or cool them down based off of what kind of stress they're experiencing. So it's Something for everyone, especially when you need to learn fun ways and fast ways to build movement and mindful breathing into your child's routine. So there you have it, guys. Five tips to raising responsible and productive kids. I really hope this helps you. If you use the tips and found value, please share this podcast episode on your Instagram stories. Tag me. I love hearing your comments and be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great one. 
If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you gotta do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, frustrated, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's Target, IndieBound, BAM, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.